Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Muskoka Drawdown. Welcome everyone to Muskoka Drawdown. I'm your host, Frank DeYoung. I'm here on behalf of Climate Action Muskoka, CAM for short. We are in a climate emergency, and to prevent climate chaos, we need to decarbonize the economy. The technology exists to do, to do this now, we just lack the political will. I have with me today a wonderful guest. I'm very pleased that he is able to come into the studio today and talk with us. And uh, his name is John May... <laughs> I, I mixed it up. John Mayer, but it's M-E-Y-E-R, Mayer, like uh, like the mayor of, of Toronto, John Tory. No, sorry, I won't mention that. John Mayer. Uh, John, welcome to our show. And um, you apparently live in Perry Sound up in lovely Muskoka. How did you end up in Perry Sound? I wanted to do a solar house. I was in... Uh uh, the, the Midland area on a farm uh, about uh, 15 kilometers south of Midland. Uh, it was time to go and uh, I wanted to do a solar house. Uh, finally, I ended up uh, uh, looking at Perry Sound because I, I couldn't find the right lot in, uh, in Midland and uh, the perfect lot uh, presented itself in, uh, in Perry Sound and I jumped at it uh, and uh, built the, uh, tore down a 105 year old house and uh, that was falling down on its own and uh, built uh, a lovely efficient solar house which will one day be energy positive. Well, that is a very good introduction to yourself. Um, you have a great interest in per capita resource use for five decades. Your first book was called The Renewable Energy Transition, Realities for Canada and the World. And now you've written a new book called The Post-Pandemic World. Now, how does, post, how does the pandemic lead into climate change? Uh, I, I wanted to use uh, the pandemic as an example, as a learning example, because it's uh, effectively a biophysical uh, 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 impact, a biophysical threat uh, that uh, manifested itself very quickly. And uh, it, it sort of lines up. Uh, it, it shows how ill-prepared we are to deal with the biophysical threats we have coming, which are climate change, resource scarcity, uh, soil issues, uh, and the, uh, the very uh, large uh, challenge of transitioning to renewable energy. So just to interrupt a bit, you say a biophysical threat. Is that a, another word for the COVID-19? Yeah, uh, COVID-19 was, uh, the pandemic was a biophysical event. Yeah. Right. It was something we weren't ready for, although we should have been ready for because pandemics happen all the time. Epidemics and pandemics happen regularly, not yeah. regularly, not predictably, but you know they're coming. Uh, and uh, it, it was interesting to see the uh, how the governments, various governments, dealt with them. Some of them dealt with it well, some of them didn't deal with it well, uh, and some of them uh, got off to a poor start but did better. Uh, but uh, uh, so you've got a transition. Uh, you've got, say, uh, someone, and I use Doug Ford 
as an example. Right. Uh, who uh, Doug came into uh, office uh, determined to dismantle the green energy plan of the the liberals, Kathleen Wynne, and he he did that. Uh, he he tore uh, charging stations out of GO stations, uh, EV charging stations. Uh, but when presented with uh, Italian hospitals filling up uh, their hallways, filling up with dead. He got the message that there was a real threat out there through all his market uh, economy, uh, uh, free market economy theory out the window, listened to scientific uh, advice uh, and uh, came up with policies that prioritized uh, public safety. So in other words, you're sort of praising him for responding to the reality that he, that he existed and not trying to perpetuate his own reality. Yeah, he, he did. He adjusted. But so that's what it takes for Doug Ford to react. I think he was genuinely concerned about public welfare. Uh, that stood out. Uh, and uh, be, he can be criticized, uh, as can every leader, uh, uh, for how uh, this very dynamic uh, uh, event, the pandemic, uh, evolved, uh, how, how, how they reacted. But um, uh, he, was, he was making an effort. He recognized the threat. He was making an effort. He was taking scientific advice. And that's just a completely alien territory for him. So what does it take? for Doug Ford to uh, recognize climate threat. Yeah. Uh, the climate threat is much greater than the pandemic threat. So that's- well, he still hasn't recognized that he's still hammering through that that horrible highway down through the Greenbelt in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, so he hasn't gotten the message. Uh, and if, if people were dying of, uh, um, of climate change left, right and center, uh, I think he would get the message, but he just right. simply hasn't gotten the message. I want to back up a little bit. It says in your bio that you are a patent holder. Now I'm dying to know what patents you hold. Well, loudspeaker uh, enclosure. Uh, Did you invent design. this? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I could have had, uh, turned out, I, I mean, it, it's an interesting journey. Uh, the, uh, uh, the patent uh, wasn't market viable, but it was, it was technically viable. Uh, and it, it was worthwhile a uh, process to go through. Uh, but uh, as I learned that uh, uh, a patent uh, doesn't guarantee you market no. uh, uh, market uh, exclusivity for whatever you invent, uh, that that's dependent on your ability to uh, to take people who infringe to court. And so, individual small companies yeah. uh, it's it's not uh, it's not a viable option so all the best hope you can is that uh, you will be bought out by a big company that's uh, that's, <laughs> that's right if, if my uh, strategy business acumen extended to that uh, <laughs> okay level. let's get back to climate change um i understand you're somewhat peripherally involved with the canadian association of the club of rome yeah. is population growth and human population a big issue for you Oh, it's an immense issue for me. Uh, probably always has been uh, less, uh, and it is a core issue, I guess, for anyone looking at uh, biophysical reality, as uh, the Club of Rome does. Um, and you, and you say it's a. There's a paradox here because the whole business world and everybody seems to think it's a good thing to increase Canada's population by, you know, uh, five hundred thousand a year. Um, regardless of the ecological costs, is this just folly on our part, or is there is there logic behind it? Well, there's there's business logic. I, I can't think of a business uh, that wouldn't do better in a larger market and, a, and importantly, a growing market. 
the uh, but the the people who really benefit, like farmers, uh, uh, store owners, uh, everybody wants more higher prices for what they sell. But farmers don't have to uh, um, make more crops every year. Um, and but there's a whole growth industry, growth dependent industry, which would simply cease to exist can if we, there weren't population. Can we growth. not have uh, green growth to serve an ever larger human population? Is there uh, no that's, such thing? Yeah, that's a, that's a punchline uh, <laughs> in uh, you know in uh, uh, for biologists and uh, uh, that. So is there know, no such that's... thing as green growth? No, I, I don't think so. There's I, I think perpetual progress. Uh, and if you can maintain a society, a stable society uh, that can continue learning, I think you can have growth uh, progress forever. Uh, but growth in consumption, uh, growth in population, uh, it uh, it can't uh, continue. You you um, in your book you talked about ecological overshoot. What does that mean? Well, that's a, a Bill Reeves, William Reeves uh, a term. Uh, well, it everybody uses it, but uh, he's a primary uh, generator of the term. Uh, he's the fellow who came up with the uh, ecological footprint metric mm -hmm. so that we're, you know, he points out that we're living uh, on the basis of uh, 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 requiring 1.7 Earths to sustain what we're doing. And I'd call that optimistic. But anyway, uh, he, uh, uh, we're, so we're eating our assets. So we're an overshoot. Uh, if we were a business, uh, we'd be uh, living the high life. We'd be, uh, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of executive uh, uh, compensation and uh, and uh, all the rest of it. But uh, the balance sheet keeps on going down. So this is the the uh, exact way of describing that we are not living sustainably. So what's your definition of a sustainable society? Uh, a sustainable society is one in which uh, the uh, consumption levels can be borne by the environment basically forever. Uh, it's a healthy environment, hopefully uh, healthy. Uh, and uh, inevitably, it, it, it's got to be one that's uh, socially cohesive. So is nuclear power sustainable? Good question. All kinds of questions on that. Uh, I wouldn't, uh, I personally don't like nuclear power. Uh, it, uh, it just doesn't add up to me. Uh, but in any case, it's not sustainable because we're going to run out of uh, uh, uranium and, and thorium and everything. But it could be uh, a stepping stone. Uh, but uh, I, I think we have to confront sooner rather than later uh, our own consumption levels and yeah. nail those down rather than trying to supply more and more and more. Your argument against nuclear power sort of says that all mining is not sustainable. No. Uh, what, what happens with mining is that uh, basically uh, we've got, uh, we've gone through uh, the, uh, the high-grade ores so that now uh, we're putting more and more uh, resources and energy to uh, uh, generate, to uh, mine, come up with yield, uh, smaller amounts, so that the the cost, ultimately, the cost of uh, uh, just the biophysical cost, never mind the dollar cost uh, of uh, accessing new ores, will eventually uh, become uh, unsustainable, yeah. uh, and that's true with energy as yeah. well as uh, as minerals. I guess the idea is to limit the amount of mining and use materials in continuous in continuous uh, cycles. Obviously, yeah, uh, absolutely, uh, and you know you want the certain 
circular economy uh, where we recycle 100%. Of course, that's not possible. Yeah. So uh, uh, you're essentially not in the circular economy. It's a spiral economy, which is con- continuously going down. Yeah. Now, you, you're not a fan of the GDP, the gross domestic product. Uh, I understand you think that bicycles are bad. You're, you're making fun of this idea that bicycles are bad for the planet. Oh, no, no, bad for the economy. Bad for the economy. Uh, the, uh, it, it, it is. I, I mean, what's good for the uh, GDP was uh, created by uh, uh, a number of, uh, I guess you'd call them economists in the uh, late 1800s, uh, early 1900s, to describe... Uh, uh, an increasingly sophisticated economy and yeah. to be able to act as a, as a rational tax uh, uh, base. So you can design fair, fair tax systems. Yeah. Uh, and the people who created it, it's a tool. It's, a, it's, it's an accounting tool. Uh, and the people who created it, like Kuznets and, and uh, his, uh, his compatriots, they explicitly and emphatically said that you cannot use this metric to judge the health of a country. So in other words, you don't call these people economists. You implied that. You said they, they, they call themselves economists, but what, what, what name would you call them? Well, no, they're commercial economists. It's, commercial a, great, economists. it's a great tool. If, if you want to know yeah. what, uh, uh, you know, the size of the market, uh, and uh, uh, you know the the cash flow, and that's all it is. Cash flow doesn't deal with assets, doesn't deal with an environmental assets, uh, so, health of the environment, so people. So if I went up and down the streets of uh, Bracebridge and broke all the windows, is that good for the economy? Absolutely. Yeah, you're a hero. Uh, the uh, you know uh, you uh, uh, think of all the repair bills, think of all the guys, uh, you know, uh, uh, all the work you create. Now uh, it looks good on the GDP. But in terms of welfare for the business owners, the stress uh, and all of this, the extra work to get you back to where you started, uh, it's it's a loss for society. Hurricanes are great for the economy. They, I, I think, what was it, Andrew? The American economy went up half of one percent uh, to uh, recover from Andrew. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Exxon Valdez spilling oil in the Arctic was great for the economy as well. Yeah, yeah. So what metric do we use instead? Uh, well-being. Uh, how e- equality levels, uh, Canada in the early 60s had the second highest level of equality in the world, uh, income equality. Uh, now, uh, I, I've always said to the, up until a couple of weeks ago that we've declined to number uh, into the mid-20s, but in, I looked at it again, and we're into the mid-30s. Yeah, that's uh, true. We have to take a break now for some uh, messages from our sponsor, so hang on. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Buy Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Muskoka Drawdown. Welcome back, everyone. My uh, my guest today is John Mayer, who's uh, written the kind of book that I would have liked to have written. I'm very jealous. When I read his book, it, it's, it, was, it spoke to me directly and comprehensively, and he talks generally, plus he gets into specifics. It's a wonderful book. It's called The Post-Pandemic World. I guess, John, you're suggesting that the way we are dealing with the pandemic is the way we need to deal with climate change? Well, it points out the problems we had in dealing with this issue. Uh, the cost to, to this point is about 20 million people dead and uh, a lot of uh, 
uh, a lot of long COVID, so there's a lot of suffering out there. Uh, but it, it indicates how poorly uh, uh, prepared we were to uh, take on this kind of challenge. And it, it pointed out the, uh, the inappropriateness of the, the globalized uh, economy to, uh, to deal with it. Uh, China, I think, had uh, 100, initially they had about 100,000 people infected uh, and they shut down uh, the export of masks. I think 11 of their 13 uh, mask producing companies were not allowed to export. And uh, we don't produce masks. Uh, we don't produce uh, a lot of the pharmaceuticals that uh, that we need. We don't. We can't produce uh, antivirals uh, in in Canada, and so we were totally exposed. If China and India um, had uh, a couple of hundred million people infected, they would have shut the door completely, and we would have been left sitting here with no uh, uh, no medical supplies to deal with anything. So you're saying we need more self reliance? Is that not just for pandemics, but for everything? Is that is self-reliance better or worse for the planet? Because when you have one factory in somewhere in China or anywhere that's producing a widget, can they not make it more efficiently than if you had 10, other, 10 factories around the world? Uh, not sure about that at all. Once you weigh in the factor of transport packaging, uh, also uh, nothing that comes out of China is clean uh, because they, they run on dirty coal. Uh, and uh, our energy supply system, although it's uh, more expensive, coal is the cheapest. Uh, uh, our, our energy uh, uh, industry uh, uh, base is, uh, is, is greener, at a lot more uh, hydro and natural gas. There's a, there's a lot of the people um, think that uh, our governments, Western world governments, I guess all world governments, are supporting fossil fuels directly and indirectly. So are you in favor of these uh, new green deals where the idea is to stop the subsidies to dirty stuff and subsidize green stuff? Well, uh, I, I change from subsidy to incentivize. Uh, the, uh, I, I think we do subsidize the, uh, the fossil fuel industry. I have no idea what the government is thinking, subsidizing, uh, buying out the uh, investing in the pipeline to the, to the West Coast. Uh, for that $12 billion, uh, we could have had uh, uh, an extremely sophisticated a network of uh, charging st stations uh, uh, all installed all over this country. Yeah. And that's preparing for the future. Yeah. John, you, you, you strike me as a techie guy, but you're also a real deep green. In your book, you say soils, forests and fisheries are complex and mutually supportive communities of organisms and energy flows. If you're basing your thinking on that, that to me sounds like fabulous. That's the core of everything, is it not? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, we can't it, pick your reality. But what, what are you trying to? Where are you trying to go here? Do you want the the uh, Jeff uh, uh, Bezos Bezos, uh, Bezos uh, model of uh, Borg cubes, uh, infinite uh, human population growth, uh, so that uh, uh, we take over all we we uh, displace all uh, natural systems, or do you want to live within? a functioning, a healthy natural system. Would, would you call yourself a deep ecologist? 
I don't know if I'd call myself deep anything, but <laughs> the uh, uh, yeah, uh, you have to look at the whole picture, and it, yeah. it's the the uh, uh, the ground uh, we live in, the soil, the air we breathe. Uh, how how are the rest of the species doing? Uh, is our society healthy? Uh, because we're going nowhere. Uh, one of the things that the pandemic uh, emphasized or brought forward is that uh, we're going nowhere unless we have a cohesive society. We cannot change uh, unless everybody, most people are on board. Yeah. And uh, the Chinese, I think, are very clear on this. Um, and uh, they, they want to assure that uh, they do have control and they'll do it more by intimidation and monitoring. Yeah. Uh, and in a democracy, we have to have uh, uh, better connection with the, uh, uh, with, with the people in the country. Now, as far as back to climate change directly again, what is what is sort of the number one thing you'd like to see happen uh, right now if you had if you had the choice? You talk a lot about uh, electric vehicles in your. Yeah. What oh about yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, if you if you want to take the biggest chunk out of uh, your carbon footprint. Uh, absolutely uh, buy an EV and hopefully make it smaller than the vehicle you're driving currently and use it less. Uh, put uh, solar panels up on your roof mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's number one. What about heat pumps? Are you a Heat proponent? pumps, fabulous. Um, they, uh, uh, they're great uh, and heat pumps with geothermal, uh, uh, not only uh, just geothermal like ground source, there, there's air source and ground source uh, uh, heat pumps. Ground source are more expensive than air uh, air source, but they're much more yeah. uh, efficient. And then the ultimate is uh, geothermal storage, uh, where we take heat uh, in the in the summer and uh, bury it in the ground. The least intuitive uh, thing you can you can think of, but it actually does work. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's the way to go. But electri- electrification of our society um, will make us much more efficient. Yeah. Should we, should, like the average person, you know, they're paycheck to paycheck, etc. Should they save up to buy an electric vehicle or should they borrow and buy one today? Ooh. Um, yeah. Being, a, I, I think, well, who, to be honest, uh, uh, what percentage of the population can go out and buy any car new now, uh, uh, pay cash? Uh, I, I think most people uh, are, are borrowing money to do it. And uh, you're much better off in the long run. If you have a five-year uh, window, uh, EVs are more expensive to get into, uh, but uh, they're going to save you money uh, over the, the, the long period. How do they do that? Uh, they're cheaper to run. If you have, say, you have the ultimate... Uh, uh, setup where you've got uh, panels, uh, uh, solar panels on the roof. For instance, in my place, if I put up 10 kilowatt, uh, 10 kilowatt uh, array, I'd be able to supply all of the energy my house needs, plus drive a relatively efficient uh, EV, 30 to 40 thousand kilometers a year. Yeah. And uh, so the the uh, energy is going to be cheaper, uh, and maintenance is going to be a lot cheaper. Yeah. You, you wrote in your book talking about eco-martyrs. What is an eco-martyr? Uh, an eco, which, sorry? An eco-martyr. Oh, martyr. Oh, okay. So uh, I, I want to save the world and I, uh, I, I take a shovel and an axe and I go out into the, uh, into the forest and, and dig a hole. And freeze and, in the dark. Uh, and freeze in the dark. Yeah. So th- that, that isn't going to sell. I, I mean, people want to be comfortable, and I, I think we can be comfortable, um, but I think we're going to have less toys. 
Yeah. You are a strong believer in democracy because sometimes people say that we need an, an eco-fascist government to save the world. But you say, make sure the table is round and all the chairs are occupied. Ah, that's beautiful, John. <laughs> Explain. Well, right now, okay, one of the... Uh uh, one of the images I'm going to be using in a, an upcoming presentation is uh, a Putin table, where you've got this <laughs> immensely long table and uh, a Vlad sitting down at one end, i.e. the power sitting at one end, and whoever he's talking to or getting to mouth his, uh, his, his phrases is sitting at the other end. That's what we have in Canada now. We've got the uh, developers, uh, we've got the, uh, uh, the banks, uh, speculators, cheap labor employers. They're calling the shots from the end of a very long table. Uh, and uh, we need a round table with the real wealth producers spread around it, uh, farmers, manufacturing, uh, leading sectors. Leading sectors are not developers. They will never come up with a sustainable country. You cannot have, have these people in power uh, if you want to change. And it, it's got to be the people who are going to lead change and the social interests in the environment. Sitting around the table, science, uh, those are the people who have to make the decisions. So, okay, that's been a very interesting and big discussion throughout the whole COVID, whether we listen to our scientists or not. Yeah. You sound like you're on the listen to the scientists approach. Absolutely, because science uh, isn't perfect, uh, it will never be perfect, but it learns. It's uh, whereas if you have uh, a power elite like developers, uh, they get more corrupt. They don't learn. Uh, they have to uh, uh, see like Vlad. Uh, they have to uh, com continually consolidate their power in the face of declining, uh, uh, de declining circumstances for most of the people. John, we're almost out of time. Um, what's your next book going to be about? You mentioned that already. You've got new plans. Well, I wasn't planning on mentioning it, but it, it's basically going to be if I if I do this, it's uh, it's going to be half the size of the other ones. Uh, uh, it, it, uh, it's going to be on corruption uh, oh and, and the failure, the inability of complex societies to change, and that's why all previous societies have failed because uh, the uh, uh, you have a complex, highly stra highly stratified society that uh, can't uh, can't change. So in other so because you write in your book about that institutions are change resistant. So what's the solution? How do we change? How do we change our institutions so that they will be less change resistant? Well, I, I think it it's going to come down to disruptive uh, uh, something. You need disruptive a disruptive uh, uh, party, a disruptive leader, uh, to really shake things off. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, because uh, society doesn't change gradually or rationally sometimes, uh, but uh, changes in convulsions. And I, I think that's almost what's going to be required. We need, uh, unless we get a Pearl Harbor moment, yeah. uh, climate-wise, uh, where everybody uh, says uh, uh, you had a very divided uh, country, but uh, you know, uh, after Pearl Harbor, it was uh, the U.S. USA was clear. totally uh, united. Well, and what what will uh, what event will it take for Doug Ford yeah. to get out there and lead the charge? Well, I I, I hear you. I, I wish we could do it ourselves, or wish we could think our way through it rather than wait for these uh, crises to happen. But that's maybe the only way humans will learn. Well, anyway, I suppose 
our message is keep your seatbelt on because it's going to be a rough ride as we get to sustainability. John, I'm afraid we're out of time. I really, really enjoyed uh, speaking with you and thank you for all your wisdom, your wide ranging mind and and ideas. And your book is very much worth uh, a great read. Uh, the the, the post pandemic world is what it's called. John Mayer, spelled M-E-Y-E-R. Thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, thanks, Frank. It's been a lot of fun. I went to the city when all the trees were gone And I laid there on an asphalt lawn And she cried out a thousand days Of hurricanes and floods Her face ran with tears And the streets ran with blood Fur coats and sushi boats And diesel in the air